Is is our next guest going to be a part of this? I know he was a part of one. He was. He was. Are he, we he gonna was. Are we gonna reinvite him and, to and, three? And we're gonna see if if our next guest remembers what song he gave us on the Songfest show. We will see because I because I remember. You got that right, Chris Bosio in the house. What's going on? <laughs> I just need that in there. Bad to the bone. You got that right. Give me a little bad to the bone. Come on, Nunchuck. And uh, I think I, I told you that was like my theme song way back when, uh, nineteen ninety two. This was my was this was my theme song. This was my show opening back in those days. And there, and, and Bosio and I, I mean, we we had the same theme song. And you and you'd march well, your way in to this song. That's 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 when your show was good. It was. That's when I was on over a hundred affiliate stations too. That's what people in, people in Milwaukee and Seattle used to call and bust my balls about you back in those days. No, I'll tell you, Numchuck's on his game, dude. I love you. Okay, so when I was in Chicago and you were dishing out, you know, the, the places, you even brought up Numchuck's name, and I made the mistake, like, oh my god, you know, next time you come on, you said that you were going to like, you know tell Numchuck some stories and you're going to start like, you know, bowing to him or whatever. So he, he's, he's waiting for, he's waiting for this now. Numchuck knows where he, he, he's at with me. He doesn't need any more accolades. Yeah, even you. though he's the man. I mean, <laughs> look at that. See that? That's five star, five star service. <laughs> I do got to thank you, man, because uh, when I went to Chicago and asked you for some places to eat and, and to hang out and, and, and tickets to the Cubs game. I mean, you came spot on. You were strong. And uh, your name is all over Murphy's. I mean, your name is all over that place. I believe there were, there, I even saw uh, an engraving of Boz's name in there. I don't want to tell you what part of Murphy's it was at. I, I think some female had a knife and, and, and carved your, your initials in, in your name in there. Why, wait, why were you in the women's room? I, I, <laughs> you, you can quit anytime you want, Chuck. There you go. No. Come on, man. Tell, us, tell everybody some Murphy stories. And, and for those that are not from Chicago, I, I, explain what a landmark Murphy's is. Oh, it's iconic. I, You know, the, the Murphy family built that thing. They wanted to put a, a bar in the neighborhood, and they, they got a lot of heat for it. And to what it's become, I mean, an international uh, historic spot. And, and, I mean, it's it represents Wrigleyville. And, I, you know, some of, the, some of the nights up on the rooftop with Eddie Vedder, him playing his guitar after games with, with the, the stadium lights on after a win, even even after a loss, for that matter, it it was it's just irreplaceable the memories. And yeah, I mean, I I lived right down the street. I, I wanted to do that for my kids, uh, so they could walk from home to the ballpark. And I tell you, at first it was it was overwhelming, but it became a big part of our lives and a big part of my kids' lives. And obviously, you felt it when you went there, and you're very welcome. Um, you know, I'm glad I'm able to do it, but it's, you know, it's it's me making phone calls to friends of mine. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, I got a I got a long list of friends there still, and always will have. 
you know, and I'm, and I heard you had a great dinner at, uh, you know, Chicago cut. Oh yeah. Word travels fast. <laughs> um, but I, I'm glad things worked out for you. That's awesome. No, and, you know, I love Chicago. I mean, I love Chicago and, but I'm always willing to experience, you know, new places. And it's funny because when I would go to Chicago and like I said, you know, go watch the Cubs or, you know, go down and, and, you know, when you were there and all that stuff, I would always go to the Cubby Bear. And, and so I really yeah. never went to Murphy's and I don't know why, because I guess when I would just drive in from Green Bay and you know how that drive is, you know, I would come up Addison and, and I'd park my, uh, the car like over at DeVry, you know, sometimes and then, you know, take the shuttle over or park in that little, uh, that lot there where they have the Vienna, you know, hot dog little stand or the restaurant there, which is now I think oh, all that's still, gone, you know? No, the hot dog stand's still there. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I know exactly where you're talking about. Are you kidding me? That's still a 3, 4 o'clock in the morning spot. There, exactly. It's right, across the, right across from the theater. Right, right. It, it's still there. Yeah. So I never just would make my way, you know, over basically to – to Sheffield or whatever, unless I was catching the L or something like that. Yeah. So, but I, you know, because yeah, you know, or, or Waveland, you know, where Murphy's is. So I, I never really hung on that side. I'm, so I'm glad when you said, you know, of course I know Murphy's, but I never like went there and man, what a game day spot. You're right. I mean, it's iconic. It's historic boss. The money that those guys rake in too, the business they do. And what is it like though, on a say non, game day or the Cubs are on, are out of town or what is it like in the off season? Do they still do a bang up business in the off season, those winter months? You know, this is the other thing I was going to add when I was there and our run in 14, 15, 16, 17, the Blackhawks, I mean, they were hot. Pull up some video of the Blackhawks when they were going for the Stanley cup. You couldn't even get into that place. Wow. And pull up Murphy's video, Chicago Blackhawks, pick a year, 2015-16. You want to talk about unbelievable? You got, it felt like 10,000 people in there all screaming and singing the Blackhawks song, you know, and it, it, was, it was crazy. And we carried that momentum, you know, from their season into our season and vice versa. And, hey, you guys come to our games. No, you guys got to come to ours. And it, it's just incre- it was incredible because both teams at that time were just going crazy, and the and the Bulls had just I, I think uh, the the New York uh, Knicks basketball coach Theobald. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was he was there, and the Bulls were doing good, <laughs> doing good as well. So the the city was going crazy. Yeah, the city was going absolutely nuts. But that's what it was like in the winter time because we'd go down there for, you know, say the. the the Cub Fest in January. Right. And you'd go out to these places and you couldn't get in. It, it was standing room. They, they, I think in one of the games, they had to sell tickets. <laughs> so many people were coming in there and they labeled the stools and the benches and the seats and how many people could stand around. Fire marshal was on call all the time. You know, but that's what it was literally year round. And then we carried that into game day and one of the most incredible things for me 
is trying to walk through all those people like on a day game when, when we don't have batting practice right. against the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was there for Cubs Cardinals that weekend. And that's that was the beautiful part about it. Just being I know there, you were being and there it, for that. It was un, it was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. And then after the game, trying to walk home with my kids, I, you know, for four blocks, you know, shoulder to shoulder, people flowing. It was it was just it was a crazy thing. And, and I'm glad you could experience it. Oh yeah, no. And again, I anytime I, I can get a chance to go to Wrigley. And again, it's been a long time. Heck, I, I was doing the math. I'm I I haven't been there since 2015 for this last trip. So you know that's 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 eight years. And I was blown away at the construction, everything that went has gone on across the street, and then also. You know, you know, there. I mean, what the players' parking lot's gone now, uh, where it used to be, and and now that's just like a little, you know, wonderland there for you know restaurants. It, it looks different. It's modernized, and I know a lot of the old school people are going like, nah, you know, this it's not the same. But you know, it's pretty cool. And you know, when they did that at Lambeau Field, uh, you know, I moved to Green Bay in two thousand and three, and that was the first year where they built the atrium and they, you know, renovated yeah. Lambeau Field. They didn't mess with the the bowl itself, but it's like that was cool. And you know, they modernized it, but they still kept the history and they didn't touch the bowl. And like with Wrigley, it's pretty much the same thing. Well, you didn't mess too much with the inside, except now the electronic scoreboards and all that kind of stuff. But that that outside is so modern right now. It's it's it, it's crazy. I'm, I'm your your opinion. I mean, have you been back in the last you know three or four years? Oh yeah, I was just back there a month ago. Oh, okay, all right, all right. So and and you're I mean, fine. I go with back it. there. You like it. I, yeah, it's it's different. But you're gonna find that in every major league stadium, they're destination spots now. Yep, they're building so much stuff around them. You know, it's it's absolutely incredible, and it it really reminds me of what's happened. And no surprise, what happened in Boston? I remember going to Boston when I first got called up in, you know, in 85. Yeah, they had some stuff around there. They had some shops around there. They, the street vendors, same thing. They've modernized everything around it. Hotels are within walking distance. You can, you can rent a, rent a rooftop on one of the, the bars across the street. And, for a, a, a party at any time and watch a, a Red Sox game. You'd never be able to do that. Yeah. Well, that's what's going on in Wrigley. Yeah. They're selling rooftop seats because now there's so much money to be made on all those rooftops. Not that what's going on downstairs, that's nothing. That's storage. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What was your favorite uh, spot to go to on the road as far as you know, stadium or atmosphere outside the stadium, whether it was a favorite restaurant or bar, what city was like when that came up on the calendar, you were like, okay, man, this is, uh, I can hardly wait for this. Seattle. Yeah. Now, because of my relationships with everybody down at Pike Market, the lose, you know, the fresh seafood. I mean, a, one phone call, Dungeness crab, shrimp, salmon. I bring it to the clubhouse for the boys all the time. Metropolitan Grill. It was exhausting going there, but that was by far the best trip because been living there for eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle, great city, no question about it. Chris Bosio joins us, uh, the former Mariner himself, pitcher of a no hitter, and of course, uh, 
Great pitching coach and with the uh, championship with the Cubbies, as we mentioned, 2016. Uh, let's talk about no hitters. Uh, Framber Valdez throws one for the Astros against Cleveland going back with August the 1st, so a little more than a, a week ago. And then last night we get another one. This one, uh, Michael Lorenzen, who comes over what from the, the Tigers, and he's throws one for the Phillies last night, 7 nothing over Washington. Boz, do you... Do you how do you consider this no hitter? If I tell you, okay, he gave up no hits, he only had five strikeouts, but he had four walks. Okay, I get it. He, he you know, he went the distance. He, he threw a no hitter, but do do some of these no hitters? You know, should we kind of like judge him like, okay, and, and you look who the opponent is or whatever? But I mean, four walks, man. I don't know. Only five K. What do you think? No hitter is a no hitter. A hit to hit. The basket to basket. A great golf shot. Hole in one to hole in one. No matter if it bounces off a tree, a cart pass. I don't care. I mean, how about the combined no hitters? What about the combined no hitters? What do you think? Well, you know, the spring training game. Get used to them because you're going to see a bunch more. Yeah. I I saw that interview last night with. Philadelphia manager about his Lorenzen's pitch count that he had 20 pitches left in that game. I got a problem with that. I understand what you're going for, but you know what? Opportunities like that, they don't come along very often. And anybody that's a pitcher of mine is going to get that opportunity. I don't care if he throws 150 pitches. You got to give him the opportunity. You have to. Thank goodness it didn't get to that. You know, but, it, it you know, it's just amazing what we've got to, and it just shows the coddling and the concern, like we've been talking about all year with this pitcher's health. And it was fascinating because there's a lot at stake. If they, if they lose him, remember what Philadelphia did last year. That's what they're going to be doing the same thing. All they want to do is get in. All they want to do is get in, and they're right on the same path as last year. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it's exactly the same teams playing for it all again in Game Six, Game Seven in Houston again. Yeah, yeah. I really wouldn't. The Yankees, obviously, uh, struggling this year, and you can put a lot of it on injuries. I want to know how much you put on on Aaron Boone here. And he got ejected again for the sixth time this season. I believe he's got 31 now as a manager in, in, in his career. There are Yankee fans that, that want him out. I'm not sure if he's lost control of the clubhouse or not, but, uh, talk a little bit about, about him. And I don't know how well you know him or not. And then, uh, again, you know, six ejection. Is this just pure frustration because of, uh, of the losses or is it something else here? You know, the one thing that's the hardest thing to accept, whether you're a player or a coach, or for that matter, anybody that has a job like yourself or anybody else who's listening, we all have a shelf life. And once that shelf life's up or old or stale, it's going to be replaced. Yeah. That's just, that's just the bottom line. It's all, it's going to happen to all of us. And, that's what they're looking at. There's a lot of expectations in New York. And I looked at the standings right before I got on the air. 
And I, again, doing double takes. Last play, three games over, whatever. But man, there's there's no air in sight. I mean, they got they got to go on a 18 out of 20 roll just to try to pick up four or five games. Yeah. If those top two teams, Baltimore or Tampa Bay, they got to go on extended losing streaks literally at the same time. Now, look at this month coming up. This is the month. July's done. Here comes the, the dog days. And that's where you make your move. And there's teams that are already have started to make their move. Look at Seattle's done nine and one in the last 10. Yep. You know, they've been there before. And it's crazy because Seattle gets rid of their closer and they go on this run. Unbelievable. It's just weird how baseball works. But this is the telling month for everyone. Mm-hmm. You've been in, the one. you've been in the situation as a player, and then again as a pitching coach. How I don't want to say how important is a manager, but how much can things turn if you know a manager's message isn't getting through? Or I would imagine there are managers that are just kind of like okay, just kind of go through the motions and maybe not have many meetings or there's not much communication. Maybe there are managers who maybe do too much of that. Uh, just from your experience, you know, what, what are your thoughts and how important is, is a manager, especially in these situations when a team is struggling? Man, I, you know, it's, it's just you having your boss or guys that you're working with looking at you, or again, you know, any boss that we've ever had or coach we've ever had, you deal with it. But can you lose him in a, in a minute? Has he might have lost them? Not all of them, some of them, but then sometimes all it takes is like one of their stars, especially like an Aaron judge sitting back on the DL and watching, really watching what's, What's going on with this? Yeah. That, that time might be up because the, the wrong person at the wrong time got hurt and really witnessed what was going on. It can make a huge difference because the manager makes the decisions. And if the decisions aren't working out, my experience tells me that Somebody's coming up with other opinions, but are probably getting vetoed. That's when changes are made. Right, right. I would, I would have to say, would probably be, you know, at the end of the season, it's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen during the season. That's just not how New York operates. But after the season, yeah, they would, they would literally be forced to. In general, right? Cashman's that kind of guy. In general, what is the the factor or the factors where a a manager kind of loses the clubhouse? What 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 are the what what factors into that? I, I think the number one thing is how he handles the pitching staff. Okay, offense is the offense, but the starters are your horses. Not overusing your bullpen. 
uh, not having conviction in one guy or, or leaving him out there for one more batter. That's what it looks like to me is he's making some decisions like giving these guys one more batter and it's just blowing up in his face. You know, they're going to, they're going to have tight games. That's just the way interleague is. I, every interleague game, I swear it goes down to the last that bad. It doesn't matter who's playing who. Every interleague game. We could be playing Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. Every time it goes down to the last inning, you're like, God, you know, everybody's like, man, they should be blowing these guys out. No, <laughs> you don't get it. It's, it's intense. It's dramatic. It's, you know, these young pitchers you're expecting to pitch or the hitters, you know, or one bad call makes a difference in an inning. And, you know, the error and that the, the bullpen decision. That's, I think, what's going on with the Yankees. And it didn't help matters that the Mets kind of beat everybody to the fire sale and actually picked up some pretty good prospects. You know, Acuna's younger brother, that shortstop they got from Texas. Yeah. He's, this guy's supposed to be the real deal. Now, doesn't take, you know, replace the fact that they, you know, they went after it with Scherzer and Verlander and, you know, and, and got rid of everybody else. But when you can pick up some big prospects and some arms that you can plug in and you know in two years they're going to be there, the candor of what the Mets did and how they just gave up the information like that to a guy they traded and how the information got in there was mind-blowing to me, CC. Yeah. I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. It's like Scherzer conducted the news conference <laughs> on the trade. Yeah. I've, never, I've never seen that. It's different he now, man. the reasons why the Mets were doing what they did and then basically the GM and the owner went, yeah, that's about right. That's pretty much what happened. That's Mad Max. Mad Max, he's, he's vocal about things. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> hey, real quick, what do you think about Lance Diaz? And uh, I know uh, as a pitching coach, man, there's there's certain umpires that you just got to say, oh, my goodness gracious, right? Had a bad night and got got very vocal. I See, the, the problem with suspensions and stuff with umpires you know, our stuff gets thrown all over the news. You know, how many games we got suspended, how much money we got fined. You're never going to know how much Lance got fined for. Uh, I lost count on, I saw about eight F-bombs. Not only that, he but. Throwing, he was throwing it right back. And it was, I was dying laughing because you got to know him. Yeah, he's so fed up. All he wants to do is retire, right? And just burn, burn up in, in Scottsdale in his house. <laughs> and he, and it's just like he's like, "That's it, I'm done." And especially from you, I'm not taking it. And blah, <laughs> unbelievable. But you see, they went back, and was it like eight or nine calls that he missed blatantly were 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 mistakes. But this is kind of what you get, and I understand why people, you know, whether they're they're pitching coaches or managers, are going to blow up at a guy like this because it just seems like repeatedly, oh boy, it's that guy, you know, whether it's him or CB Buckner or, or or whoever, you know, it just seems like there's certain guys that just don't have much respect from managers and pitching coaches. TC, there's no doubt they suck, but that's the that's the whole comedy of it. When you get the crew, you're like, oh my god, here we go, right? right. You know, you see the you see the umpire list. When you get there and you're like, 
Oh man, we got TC tonight. <laughs> oh no, we got and then we got Angel. Oh no, yeah, there's another oh, Angel Hernandez. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> please God, help us. You know, pile- you know what's gonna happen. Yeah. You know what's gonna happen. You know he's gonna miss 15 calls. I've, here it is. Yeah, Lance Diaz missed 21 calls in the Yankees White Sox game. 14 when he gets the Yankees. Uh, had a lower correct call rate than your boy Angel Hernandez did uh, on Sunday. There it is. He's got he's got me a couple times. I bet. When he came in, he was like the rest of them. He stinks. Yeah, <laughs> he stinks. I was gonna say. Yeah, which was that that guy? The boss said, "Oh no, there's the oh no guy." Uh, when you were either pitching or your coach, like, "Oh no, I, not not him today." Please. Rick 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 Reed was the worst. Rick Reed. I think he threw me out five times. <laughs> Oh, I, I, if, uh, I could see it. I mean, I could see with you because you don't hold back either. I love it. No. That's why we get along. No. Soon. That makes – and there was a John Shulock. Remember John Shulock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that he had a real expensive room service bill one night in Toronto after a, a game like that where he missed like 40 calls. Yeah. And I found out he was rooming down the hall from us. So we, we just sent him some – Food he didn't order. Let's just say that. <laughs> you feel that way about uh, about Reed the, the, and that other guy is is uh, how, how Steve how Steve Sachs feels about uh, Country Joe West. <laughs> oh my God! Just you know what? Uh, we can have a whole show. I know. on the the top ten, and there'd be a hundred of them. All you got to do is look at Major League Baseball for some of these guys that got a, a number one sixteen on his shirt. Start with him. Yeah, one sixty. All of it. Chris Bosio, my man. Appreciate it. Always great stuff, man. Uh, rest, recuperate, and uh, we'll talk to you again here, hopefully next week, man. As we continue to keep our eye on these pennant races. I'm glad Numchuck started to get all the accolades he deserves. That's right. Yes, Numchuck <laughs> wearing a shirt that says "permanently tired." That says it all right there, buddy. <laughs> well, tired can mean a couple different things. That's true. All right, man. Appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Yeah. There it is. Thank Chris Bosio for my tips in Chicago. Love it.